Welcome everyone to another episode of Authentic as Fuck. My name is Sun. I'm a marketer and I teach storytelling. And in this podcast, I talk with entrepreneurs. Uh, I coach them through storytelling, their business, um, brand, personal branding, and things like that. So <clears throat> we have our first guest, Sophia. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Sun. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for coming. Welcome. Um, let's start with kind of your introduction, what you do, where you're from. And then we can move into uh, your story. Yeah. So uh, my name is Sofia. I um, I work as a communications expert uh, in in Belgium, uh, but also in my uh, personal uh, life, I do have a lot of uh, interests that I pursue, such as music, and uh, uh, I organize uh, artistic events. Uh, so I'm trying to find synergies between all the different stuff that I'm doing. Awesome. All right. Um, so let's go into your story. Do you want to, you can either like read it or just say it, you know, casually. It's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd rather, I, I'll just say it casually. So, um, um, yeah, the story that uh, I, I chose uh, for, uh, for this discussion is uh, related to music. So I always wanted to learn how to uh, play an instrument since I was a kid. But for one reason or the other, uh, I, I never pursued it. And then when I became an adult, uh, I had this limiting beliefs that um, it's too late, basically, to, to play an instrument as an adult, because there is so much time that you need to invest in it. And uh, you should focus the, instead on, on your career and things that actually will bring <laughs> uh, money home. Um, but uh, I was always envious when I would see people, people, uh, playing music. Uh, so that brought me to actually, uh, still, uh, pursue this, uh, this desire. So during, uh, COVID when finally, suddenly we all had a little bit more time, I decided to, to take some, um, guitar lessons and I started practicing every day. And then other limiting beliefs started, <laughs> uh, which were the ones of comparing myself to others of my, my age. Uh, so people who have played since they were kids. Uh, and I felt like very uh, bad comparing myself. Uh, but also other beliefs like, oh, I probably should be focusing on, uh, I don't know, <laughs> buying a house and things that people do at my age instead of playing guitar and dreaming to be a rock star. Um, but there were like um, little moments, uh, little achievements, little moments of joy that uh, kept me going. Uh, things like being able to finally play my favorite songs and to play them in front of my friends. Um, going into a party and bringing my guitar and making everybody sing and seeing the joy in people's eyes. Uh, and especially, um, I, I realized uh, this even more profoundly, my, uh, what I like to say, my return on investment, because I studied business. Uh, and uh, I like to see like how much time you invest in something. Anyway, basically, um, my my one of the leaders uh, at the organization where I work announced that he's going to leave the organization. And this came like really as a shock for everybody and everybody was feeling at the same time sad, but also grateful for all the time that we have uh, been working together. 
And I felt that I didn't know how to express these feelings. So basically, uh, I I uh, wrote, I rewrote, I took a song that already exists, but I rewrote all the lyrics. Uh, and I, I um, learned how to play it in the guitar. And I presented myself in the office with a guitar. And I sang this, this song in front of everybody. And that was the moment when I was really touched because I really thought this is a corporate environment. So I thought like people will think I'm crazy and um, this is very outside of our <laughs> uh, colleague relationship. Uh, but I still wanted to do it. And when I saw like the, the joy in their eyes and uh, the tears as well, uh, and this, this little moment of magic that happened, I was like, okay, this is why I, I'm doing this. And uh, this is my return on investment. It may be not what society expects in terms of what I'm doing with my life, but uh, this is what brings me joy. So uh, I, I, I want to ditch those limiting beliefs and just keep going. I love it. <clears throat> yeah, you you brought tears to my eyes when I was reading that story. So <laughs> it's a really, really great story. Now, can you tell me the lesson of that story in seven words or less? <laughs> um, the most cliche that I think about was like, pursue your dreams, but I thought like, nah, that, uh, it's not uh, something that I'd like to say. Then I wrote something like uh, understanding your why. Uh, but uh, this is let's the reason not, why I'm here. Let's not try to come up with uh, lessons that fit the story. What is the lesson you learned? What's the realization you, you had? In seven words or less. <laughs> The realization I had is don't listen to your limiting beliefs or uh, you don't need to find a um, uh, logical reason to do something. You just, you can do something yeah. just because you like it. That would be like my main thing, like not because yeah. it brings something, but just because it's true to you. Like that, like that, um, maybe something like you're not learning guitar, you're, you're not doing it for the goal, but for the process, maybe like the, the actual playing the music part rather than achieving something with that or something like that. Like focus yes, on the, process, for on the process as well. Yeah, yeah, something absolutely. Like Okay. Which doesn't mean that I don't want like uh, something to come out of it. It's just like, uh, you know, just like. Uh, did you want something to come out of, of it before? Uh, I always did. Yeah. <laughs> I always dreamed like that maybe Monday, one day, this will be my day-to-day uh, -to -day job. I don't know, making songs or uh, <laughs> okay. playing music. So before, before that event, when you when you, you know, perform in front of your, you know, colleagues. <clears throat> did you feel that way? Did you, did you feel like, oh, maybe I can be a musician one day? And like, that's, that, that's what you were going for? That was why you were doing? Yes, yes. And I, I could not say that I do not feel it yet. But what mm -hmm. I feel now that even if that doesn't happen, doesn't I don't care because I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing. Got it. Got it. Okay. I think that's a great story. You should tell it exactly like that. 
And uh, what I'm going to, um, because it's a great story, obviously, like I'm not going to able to really coach you anything, but I'm going to coach you on how to really up-level it. Okay. Please. <laughs> One thing that I can tell you is you have, you've learned a lesson and it's good enough. You know, you know, what's going to be really, really, really powerful is when you actually become an artist, that's when you actually make it right. And then you tell the story. That's when it's really powerful because then you can be like, I got here because I stopped caring about getting there. Mm. I just focus on the music, just, just the, the human connections, the, the, you know, all of the things that I love about music is what got me there. And this is what the story can sound like at that point. Do you know John mm. Mayer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So John Mayer is the epitome of that. He, he didn't care about <laughs> being a star. He didn't care about that. That wasn't why, why he did it, right? He went to Berkeley School of Music. He dropped out of school because he kept cutting school <laughs> to record his music at night in the dorm. <laughs> so he's like, well, this, this is pointless. So he quit school. And he went to Atlanta. He was broke. He had no money. His, his friends were driving him everywhere. But he was just performing in front of 10 people at an open mic. Daily, daily, just because he loved it. And then that turned into 30 people, turned into 90 people, 180 people, 6,000, 60,000 <laughs> Grammy. <laughs> but the only thing he was focusing on is just that playing his music. That mm-hmm. He wasn't trying to get there. It was, and that's like kind of almost everyone you see successful, like the, at the top of the game, is like that. They just did it because they love something. <laughs> And then it brought them, brought them all their success, right? So that's why it's going to be much, much more powerful later on. So remember that this is a story that could also serve, serve you later too. Yeah. But right now, if you were to tell the story, um, I guess the lesson that you learn is that I don't need a goal. Or, mm. or maybe something like, um, you know, don't wait for, don't wait for your final goal. Like, like, have many moments like that in between that you look forward to. Instead of, like, waiting for that moment when I'm in front of 50,000 people in a stadium, <laughs> instead of that, do a mini version of that at work with 20 people. <laughs> yeah. If you really enjoy it. It's kind of like what I said about um, if you're a chef, that's like your goal is to work in a five be a top head chef in a five-star restaurant. That's like what you consider a chef. You're not a real chef. A real chef, like, would love cooking hamburger for your for your friends at home on a grill. That's that's a real that's a real chef who enjoys cooking for others. It doesn't matter. It has to be a five-star restaurant. It doesn't you know whether it's a mm-hmm. food truck. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? That that that's like the actual thing itself, right? Okay. So that's what I want to say about that. So maybe you can kind of work through the lesson and figure out how you can word the lesson there. Now, how do you up-level this story? This is how you told the story. You're like, oh, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then I did this, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. <laughs> right? That, that is not... I mean, your story is so great that you're almost not doing it justice by telling it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I want you to draw a clear picture 
for the audience of the story. And the main story is the event that happened at your work. Okay. The st- all the stuff that you actually went about in the beginning, you need to shorten that into like 10 seconds <laughs> because that's not the story. That's just a setup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, the way I would start is like this. You know, like I wanted to play music my whole life, but I never did it because I'm like, oh, that's useless. I'm not going to find a job in. Right? So I never actually did it. I just pushed it away until COVID happened. And I started practicing, practicing every day. I got a little better. But even then, I felt like, oh, shit, I'm not good. This is what, am I wasting my time trying to do this? I suck. But because I, I learned like little things like my, the, the, my favorite song, how to play this song, how to play my stairway to he- heaven. So I kept doing it. Like, you see what I just did? I, I, I put real, I, I drew a picture of, right? Like, oh, like, you know, you, you're playing stairway to seven or something like that, right? So done. Book back, backstory is done. Now don't like we need to get there quickly. We need to jump into mm-hmm. the story quickly because other parts of people are like, okay, what, what's going? Okay, okay, <laughs> that's what they're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, this happened, and then I was, I felt like that. Okay, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> okay, and then I would say, on, so I would tell her like that. Like this is, um, yes, I've always wanted to, blah, 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 but I suppressed myself, and I felt like I was, I, I was like, this is pointless because like other people my age are so much better than me. Until one day, <laughs> that's a key phrase. Until one day, you have to have a cl- you you have to have like a clear. Remember what I always say is, uh, how do you build suspense? How do you how do I keep them? How do I keep them listening throughout the whole thing? Like right? How do you hook them? Is you need constant, like constant sense of mystery. Every time you raise a question, every every time you answer a question you have to raise another one immediately so blah, 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 until one day then people are going to be like oh what happened <laughs> right now it's mystery okay what happened i want to know uh, until one day i was sitting in my office and i got this email subject blah, 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 blah. <laughs> i open it and you know do you, do you see Instead of saying it like, oh, until like this, you know, the, the, the leader of my co- organization like decided to leave, or that does, <laughs> you're not drawing a picture for them. That's not dramatic. What you have to do is until one day I, I, I got to work, boom, the subject line, boom, and then it read this. And then you can explain, yeah, this is the leader that's, you know, that, that inspired me. It was, I was sad to see him leave, blah, blah, blah. And then when you, even when you tell the story of you going in and performing, like, oh, I, I perform and then, you know, like, instead of describing what happened, I mean, instead of just saying what happened, like, literally draw the picture of the room for them. Like, I want to feel like I'm there with you. So, so I walked up with my guitar. <laughs> I sat down. My heart was beating. <laughs> I see these people just all staring at me like a deer without headlights. And I start playing. And five, ten seconds into it, all that anxiety went away. All of the, and I, I just connected, and I just saw, and I looked over, and I saw tears in this person's eye, and I look over here, and I see this, and blah blah blah, and I, I just want you to really, really, really draw a picture of that moment, so I can feel it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then say, 
And then I learned something that day. So once you do that, people are going to be like, well, what did you learn? <laughs> like, you see what I'm doing? I, I, I'm constantly raising questions. I, I, like, as soon as I answer, I raise a question. As soon as I answer that, I raise another question, right? And at the end, maybe just, you know, and then I, like the final punchline has to be your lesson. So you really, really need to dig into the lesson and figure out figure out what the real lesson is for you or the real lesson that you want to teach and then end it like that. Last week's podcast, I, what I talked about is in order to do that, you have to ask yourself three questions because there's a difference between storytelling to practice storytelling for myself, right? So that I can discover something about myself versus storytelling to the others, like actually storytelling, right? If you're storytelling to the other, like if you want to polish this, then tell it for others. What you have to do is first, you have to ask these three questions. First, who is this story for? Mm -hmm. Like, do you know? No, not exactly. You see, right away you get get stuck, right? (laughs) Yeah. So when you tell the story for other people, that's the difference between telling a story for yourself versus other. Because when you tell a story for yourself, it's for self-discovery. And once you've learned that, okay. Now, I want to I teach this lesson to these people and I want to break their myth about this. So the three questions is, who is this for? What is the lesson you're teaching there? And what is the myth or the belief that you're breaking? Mm-hmm. And once you have these three things, then it become, like, it'll become crystal clear and I'll tell you this, your story actually has multiple lessons. So depending on who you tell it to and what you're trying to teach, what you're trying to break, what belief you're trying to break, you might tell the story slightly differently. And that's okay. You know? Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I guess <laughs> to, to recap, I would say to really up-level that story, number one, draw a picture of Draw clearly draw a picture of what that looks like. And you know, one of the things that we talk about in Idol Nation is show, don't tell, right? So I, I give that example of like, oh, I used to be so bad at managing money. Like I would, you know, I was like always spending money and I was always broke, right? Like, yeah, that okay, that works. But if you say like, oh, I would always like when I get paid. I would always take my friends out to drinks and dinner, spend all my money. And then for the next two weeks, I just eat ramen noodle waiting for my next paycheck. And then when I get a paycheck again, I do it again. And now, when I draw a picture of what that looks like, it's so surreal. There's like so many nuances that, that, that they're going to feel. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And then lastly, the three questions. So you can find the answer. I was actually going to say this. When I heard that story, yeah, when I heard that story, this is what I thought of. And I don't know if this is something that you thought of or you you thought it was a lesson at all. But for me, the real lesson is what you did there is actually what 99.9999% of people in the world do. 0.0001% of people in the world actually just do what they want to do. And usually those people become super successful in, in that area. The other 99.9% of people 
do what the society tells them to do and go against what their heart tells them to do. And then, as an adult, they come to me and they're like, oh, I need clarity, son. I'm a, uh, I'm a communication manager, I'm a designer, I'm a marketer, but I also love music and I'm a really spiritual and I love yoga and I want to like combine all of this into... Oh my God, Jesus, <laughs> that's, that's not really you. That's, these are the pressure of the society that tells you, it's like, boom, 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 this is you, but it's not really you. The, the music part is the real you. But a lot of people are scared. It's like, oh, what if, what if I become homeless? Uh, what if I don't make it in music and I become homeless? Like, oh, blah, blah, blah. So what, what do they do? They, they, you know, they have one foot in, one foot out. They do the music half-ass. They do their business half-ass. They do their yoga half-ass. And what happens? They just muddies the water. And they're trying to somehow meld this into one to try to show that this is me. But no, that's not you. That's you in conflict with what the society wants from you. <laughs> it's not the real you. So we need to really dig in. And I think, I mean, maybe this is uh, too far out there, but here's what I believe. My entire life, I've, I would say like 90% of the time, I just did whatever I want without a care for without a care for what anybody else thinks or what, what, without caring for like, oh, is this going to make money or anything like that? And, one, and that's what led me to here, right? And I, I, I think that that's what led me to being so good at what I do <laughs> because I, this is just what I wanted to do my whole life <laughs> or something like that, right? So, yeah, so I, I just, maybe it could be something that, if I were to tell a story like that, I would use that as an example to, to show that no matter how scary it is, no matter how much you think it's not going to happen, like you just have to go after what you want to do or something like that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That is very useful because um, I have been reflecting on who is this story for. And uh, one of my ideas also for the podcast that I would like to finally record is about creative lives. So it's about people who would like to have lives not following what society does, but actually interviewing. Uh, I have my first guest is a friend of mine who used to live in Belgium, do a similar job and just left everything to follow her dreams in Thailand and do yoga. <laughs> so um, my whole idea actually uh, resonates okay. with what you were saying. Got it. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. I, I like that. And also, I also like this. Um, you don't have, like, let's say you're a lawyer. Like, I, I see a lot of people do this, right? They work in finance. They work, they're a lawyer or they work in a nine-to-five corporate job. But they love yoga. So they quit their job. And, you know, like, when you don't have to. You love yoga? Do your job. Make money. Pay the bills. And do yoga. Not, for, not to be famous. Not to be a yoga teacher. Not to be a yoga influencer. Not to try to be Baron Baptiste. But just because you love yoga. See, what we tend to do is we take the thing that we love, we're passionate about music, yoga, right? And we, we turn it into a nine-to-five corporate <laughs> by mm. saying, oh, I have to become like this in yoga. I have to work in a five-star restaurant as a chef. No, just cook for your friends at home. You really want to be, you, if you really love cooking, 
You don't have to quit your nine to five job and to become a chef. Just cook for your friends. See where, just do what you love because you love doing it without any expectation and see where that leads you. Why do you have to quit your job and make yourself into this identity of, oh, now I'm a chef. Now I'm a musician. Now I'm a yoga yogi. Like, no. <laughs> you know? Passion is not. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll end it with this. I think a lot of us think that. Um, I think a lot of us try to obtain goals by looking at uh, who we want to be. Meaning, oh, I want to be like this person. Oh, I want to be like this person. I want to be like that. I want to be where they are. Rather than thinking about what does my day-to-day look like? <laughs> because a lot of times when you say, oh, I want to be like that, that, basketball, that, that star basketball player. I want to be like Kobe Bryant. That's one thing. But if you look at Kobe Bryant's day-to-day day life, where he wakes up at four, go to the gym for six hours, then practice basketball, come home, and you can't eat any junk food. Like if, on Christmas Day, when you're when you have 100, 110 degree fever, you still have to play. <laughs> like, look at their day-to-day day life. Do you want to? Do you? Would you really enjoy that? Right. If you look at a musician, look at their day-to-day life. If you want to be a chef, look at their day-to-day life. Because most of these people that you want to be like, when you look at their day-to-day life, and you you say like, okay, can I live my day-to-day life like that? Most of the time, you're going to be like, no, I don't want that. And that's why I think a lot of people realize. Like I know a lot of people who's like, oh, I want to, I want to be, a, I want to go into social media marketing, and they do it, and they realize that what that means is getting yelled at by clients every day. <laughs> <laughs> then they realize, oh, no, I don't want to do this. And same thing, I want to be a designer. And then when they realize, no, I can't design what I want. I have to design what the lo- client tells me. No, make the logo bigger. <laughs> like, that's what the day-to-day looks like. So I think a lot of people disconnect what they want to do, what they want to be versus what they want to do day-to-day. So I don't know why I brought that up, but... <laughs> <laughs> But I think it helps. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add or ask? No, I'll just say um, the the thing about doing what you want made me think about what you're saying uh, with our content. Uh, like, do not care about uh, mm-hmm. who are you gonna reach, but just care about the quality of what you're producing. So it's a little bit the same. Um, yeah. with the music yeah. I think also exactly. my my mindset exactly. is, is changing thanks to that like uh, I don't care anymore who's gonna listen to me I just yeah. care that I can enjoy playing yeah I love that and that analogy can work everywhere like how you were with music somebody can be with social media somebody can be with cooking you know what I mean yeah, yeah. awesome thank you so much <laughs> it's such a great story thank I really you. wish thank you would you rewrite it like with all the visuals and details and i want to hear it again i think it's gonna be so good absolutely i will (laughs) while i was listening and when you got to that part where you said like people were tearing up and things like that i was like ah because i know what that feels like (laughs) so yeah thank you you for sharing the story okay cheers let's bring on next we're gonna bring on c 
Welcome back, C. Hi, Sam. <laughs> Great to see you. <laughs> Thank you for having me again. So, yeah, let's for the people that haven't seen you before, let's do a reintroduction. Where you're from, what you do, and then tell the story. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is C, and I'm originally from Hong Kong, and currently I'm living in Poland. And I'm a somatic art therapist and yoga instructor. So I help people with healing their trauma, their inner child, and yeah, that's me. And when I listened to Sophia's story and you're coaching to her, I was like, oh, that is talking to me as well. <laughs> and the story that I have is actually something that stuck in my mind for like these two, three weeks is a conversation I had with a friend who um, we met in person like last summer. And that time we are like just, um, we co-work together. And so we met each other maybe like once a week, something like that. But we don't really talk a lot. And until last month before Christmas, we met for a dinner. And since then, we are like soul sisters. We talk every day, thousands of messages. Our both husbands hate each of us, like thinking we should move in together. <laughs> And it's a story about we talking just about our business, about um, how to be authentic in our business. And she was telling me that's when were, she first met me. That's what you were talking mm -hmm. about at that dinner? Um, no, that is a test message oh, that okay. we had a few weeks ago. And she was telling me like when she first met me and knowing the internet me, the one that I'm a therapist and doing all these things and compared to the one that she started talk with and compared to the one that we are now super close with, she is like, that is three different people. And I was really shocked. I asked her, why do you think that is different? She was telling me that she see the online me as like this positive energy, very gentle energy, and always like smiling, be happy with everyone. And the real me is actually someone who struggles as well, like have all these worries about the business, about the frustration in life. And she feel that is like more making her feel that is the real me. And I always thought I was being very authentic in my business. Because I was sharing these bad moments, but I would always like twist it back into a positive story because I felt like that is my role as a therapist, what I should do. But at the same time, that made me like a bit, just like get into my head, interest mm -hmm. me about like, oh, that is interesting. That is like, I'm not being authentic. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the lesson you learned. You thought you were being authentic. <laughs> But really, you weren't. But you bet I'm not. <laughs> okay. Okay, first of all, I want to say this. You don't feel bad about that. Because that's everyone, including myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. because we've, everyone does that. Like, when I, when I, even when you hear, like, somebody so, like, somebody who preaches vulnerability, like, Brene Brown, right? <laughs> Mel Robbins, mm -hmm. right? Jay Shetty, right? Like, like, even then, they do that. Like, they'll say something like, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I, I was watching a video from Jay Shetty the other day. He was like, yeah. It's like, he's officiating um, some celebrity wedding, a Ben and, uh, ben mm -hmm. and Jennifer's wedding. And then he's saying something like, he's saying it in front of his wife. And he's like, that's terrible. 
<laughs> and immediately he's like, you know who I am? Like, that's my ego speaking up, like things like that, right? But at the end, he turns mm-hmm. it like, he still makes himself the wise one by saying, this is why, <laughs> you know, like, blah. so at the end mm-hmm. of the day, everyone fucking does it. So don't feel bad about it, right? Yeah. The ones that don't mm-hmm. do it at all, actually, but I'll tell you this. There is a difference between the ones that does that are are being mm-hmm. vulnerable but still mm-hmm. a guru. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Being vulnerable, but still, I'm still the teacher versus people that mm-hmm. are being vulnerable and I'm one of you. Right? Mm. And there are people like that. Yeah, They're usually not mm-hmm. motivational speaker, authors, or course creators, or coaches. Because people in this mm-hmm. industry have this narcissistic ego they're like oh it has to be about me 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 i have to be on the top i have to be like this industry tends to mm-hmm. attract narcissists like that <laughs> but mm-hmm. if you look at other industries right like some some comedians podcasters like things like that there are plenty of people who's like top of their game who who fucking act like they're nothing and those are actually mm-hmm. the there's a reason why Joe Rogan podcast gets 11 million downloads per episode. (laughs) And that's why. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I have some questions for you. First question is, can you tell me about that dinner? What did you guys talk about in that dinner? Because the reason why this is key, normally I wouldn't bring that up because it's not, doesn't add to the story. But the reason why I bring it up is Mm -hmm. because Whatever you were doing before, even with mm-hmm. her, is is that polished version of you until that dinner happened. And then after that dinner happens, mm-hmm. for some some reason you opened up and you became you with her. So what happened in that mm-hmm. dinner? What did you guys talk about? Oh, that is something that I never connected the dots with, actually. I, I didn't really remember, like, what kind of conversation that we have, but it's something, like, really general. But that was a dinner that we we met with both our husbands and as well. And I always, like, be really me whenever my husband is there. Because he is an extrovert and I'm an introvert, like you and Gigi. Mm-hmm. And when he's there, I can be just like the one that's quiet, don't need to start any conversation. I can just like be the one who responds to the conversation, which is something that I like doing. But I don't like asking questions, but I like answering them. And maybe that is why I got really comfortable in answering and being me in that conversation it will be something interesting i will look back on like how our message be after that dinner (laughs) so you do you think that you tend to do you think that when your husband is around you tend to be more present in really having a conversation with this person versus when your husband is around you feel the need to (laughs) like present (laughs) A conversation or maybe something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I need to... Like you need to carry the conversation I need to be something. not as me. Yes. Like I need to be just like uh, prepared for what is going to be. 
I remember, I forgot whether it's like in night out or somewhere that we we're talking about like having the need of like ending a conversation. Yeah. And I feel like that I, I will prepare for it to end it. Got it. Do you, when you're, when you're like, okay, so I'm going to break it into when you have a conversation where you're just being present and just being responsive to whatever the conversation mm -hmm. versus here where you're like trying to drive the conversation, I guess. Do you feel like mm -hmm. you have a, you have an obligation to not bore the person? <laughs> yeah. Or the obligation of like not making that person feel I'm weird or I'm like, don't, I'm not friendly. Yeah. Whereas in here, you're just hundred percent in the conversation. Yeah, you're not thinking about it. You're not that really thinking about how this person is looking at me, or like you're just in the conversation, and that. Yeah, I think you're taking away like the people pleasing part of me. And do, does that happen with anyone else? Obviously, your husband probably. <laughs> mm -hmm. But does it does that happen? And with like super else? close friends, like okay. need to be really really close to be in that state. Got it. But I feel like I want to show that me in front of like in my business because but that me is like what i love about but also it's like yeah. i'm scared to show that side yeah. of me you know well i'll tell you this i i know it's hard I, i'm not gonna say like oh just do this like just be you like that's that's <laughs> this is the worst advice right because okay <laughs> it's not it's easier said than done right but i will tell you this yeah. right for me when i did that when i changed my Instead of like walking into a room with an agenda where oh I have to, I have to prove myself. I have to to, to something like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, I don't care if I lose this client. I don't care if this video gets zero views. I don't. I, I don't care if everybody mm -hmm. hates me because of this. I'm just gonna be in in the converse. I, I'm for me conversations for me is equivalent to Sophia playing music. Mm -hmm. I just fucking love conversation in itself that I don't need to, mm -hmm. I don't need a second agenda. I don't need, I need to use this conversation so that I can grow my podcast. I need to use this conversation. Like that's not it. <laughs> I just genuinely love mm -hmm. conversations. And that's why you see me show up here every week, week after week after week, even though these podcasts only get a hundred views <laughs> versus I know that if I can, if mm -hmm. I do that in Instagram, I can get a hundred thousand views like with the show, like, the mm -hmm. reason why I show up here and do it is because I, I truly love the conversation, not because I'm trying to promote my podcast. Okay. So mm -hmm. when I started thinking like that, my whole life has completely changed. Like when, mm -hmm. when I started treating everybody like they were my best friend, <laughs> you know, pretty much mm -hmm. it changed. And it's one of the yeah. things I think it is one of the things why I talked about it this in Monday masterclass, but it is one of the reasons why I can, Gigi can be friends with somebody for a year. And then mm -hmm. I meet that person just one night and in an hour, I become close with that, closer with that person than Gigi is for after a year. It's because mm -hmm. when I meet somebody new, in the first 30 minutes, that person is probably going to have the most deepest conversation they've ever had in their life with a stranger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? And that's why yeah. I, that's why I close every project. That's why I, 
because mm-hmm. when I go into a meeting, I'm not sitting here like, oh, I need to close the project. When I go into a meeting, I am only trying to figure out right now in this conversation, the only thing I'm trying to figure out is I'm not trying to sell anyone. I'm not trying to like, oh, look how smart I am, guys. Like, look at all the great advice. That's not what I'm doing. I'm so connected with you right now. I'm like, what is C struggling with right now? How can I? Like, I'm going to put myself in her shoe. I'm going to let, let me bring myself to where she was. And what do I need to hear now? Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, that's the only thing I'm thinking about right now. That's why the conversations go like mm-hmm. this, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know what I was going with that. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I will say that it, it is going to be life-changing. Okay. And secondly, mm-hmm. can you give me an example? Okay. From this point on, I want you to be mm-hmm. 100%, 110% vulnerable, honest, transparent, authentic mm-hmm. with me. Okay, and just pretend like okay. <laughs> pretend like nobody else is listening. And if you want me to cut mm-hmm. this part out from the podcast, I'll cut it out. Okay, so just this is a safe mm-hmm. place, <laughs> completely open, right? First question: <laughs> describe a describe a moment where you did that, where you were trying to be vulnerable, but not really, it wasn't really. <laughs> So can you give me an example of a time, like a content that you made that was like that or something like that? Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's actually something like really vulnerable because I feel like I'm going to piss so many people, so I don't want to say it. But it's something that in my mind all the time, and even like today I was thinking of it, is like the differences between therapist and coach these like this kind of content or like this what I do is something that's making me really struggle with because like nowadays almost every therapist I know in my life they switched to be a coach and I don't know why I'm just like feeling really not comfortable with it like I even been through like trainings of being a coach I've I don't know like I feel there is something really blocking me to to go there and I don't want to go there. And that is like something I'm very uncomfortable of like starting a conversation with someone because like a lot of my friends are coaches. But oh, I just I like don't have feel you, have you talked about that with one. your friend? The, the other friend? Yeah. And we can be super <laughs> Open in talking about it. Okay, so I, I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it now. Okay, it's not, because I think there's two levels of vulnerability and authenticity. Okay, one is mm-hmm. on the, one is very clear, cut and clear, like, okay, I don't want to say this because if I say this subject or this thing, if I make this statement, people are going to get mad. Or That's one, mm-hmm. one way of not being vulnerable. But another way of not being vulnerable is just, it's your entire composure. It's like, it's the way you talk. You're, it's, it's everything else. It's mm-hmm. the subtle little nuances that you don't see. Like you, you don't know, but you feel. So for example, somebody mm-hmm. could be saying something really vulnerable, but it doesn't feel vulnerable at all. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody could be saying something that's not as vulnerable, but the way they tell it, it's so fucking vulnerable. It's, it's because you can... Those, those you can almost feel when somebody's really being vulnerable. It's because maybe they're like, 
they pause at the right time. You can you can see their like heart、mm-hmm. kind of shaking. Like it's all tiny little things. Okay, <laughs>、mm-hmm. so I actually think that's how what it is for me. Because I think that I, I'm not necessarily being really vulnerable <laughs> in what I say,、mm-hmm. but I think it's just the way I talk is what people why people say, "Austin, you're so vulnerable and authentic." Like, but go back and listen to what I say. What I say is actually not that vulnerable. So that's, but let's let's put that aside for now, okay? Because that's not what you're、mm-hmm. dealing. With. So you're dealing with the、um, unpopular <laughs> statement, which you believe in. That you don't want to say publicly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more like content-wise, like. So do you, and, and do you think is that things that I share? Do you think that's what your friend meant to, or do you think what your friend meant was like this, more like? Yeah, I think what she meant more is like content-wise, like the words that I use or like the way that I talk more than like the posture or like the voice and these. You mean content-wise,、yeah. or do you feel that you're you're limiting your? Yeah. Do you feel that、oh, I limit yourself? I'm gonna get and you say something else instead. Do you feel that yourself? Yeah, I I can feel that. Okay. It's like there are a lot of these unpopular. So okay. Comments in my just, mind. Just pretend, and no, no no don't pretend. But so I'm gonna cut if you want everything out from this point on. <laughs> Next, okay. Tell me something you want to say.、Mm-hmm. Something you told your friend that you said it differently when you said it to the public.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember this is a. <laughs> We could cut this out. So if you don't like it, we'll cut、mm-hmm. it out. I want you to be hundred percent. Hard to just say. Talk to me as if you're talking to me right now. <laughs> I think.、Mm. No judgment. Yeah, now my head is just blank. <laughs> so I'm like, no, what kind of things、thing. that I say? So.、Mm-hmm. You don't like that coach? Like all the coaches become therapists. I don't. I feel like that is taking away a lot of elements inside therapists. Well. Let's put it in that way. I have nothing like against therapists transiting to be a coach, but a lot of therapists transit themselves to be a coach just because then they can earn more money. Because like most of the coaches are charging super high price compared to therapists do, and as that purpose, I feel like that is against my value. Like I just cannot put myself into. This role, this person, like a coach, to to be that, yeah. Oh, so does does that make you feel like you don't want to be a coach? Yeah, it make me feel like I don't want to be a coach when everyone around me is telling me to be one. And the reason why you don't want to be a coach is because maybe you you have a negative connotation towards the word coach, or maybe you have a negative connotation towards. People that are in the coaching industry, or something like that. Yeah, I guess it's like I at first I also got like super interest in like coach、mm-hmm. this area, and I've been through a few coachings,、mm-hmm. and the results that coaching promised me to 
and the value that I like the money money I gave to that coach, I feel like they are not balancing, mm -hmm. which maybe is like my experience in my regrets. Well, so why did you want to become like, a coach? Really, I don't want to. That is like the struggles I have, I guess. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought that you wanted to become a coach because you went through coaching and, and that made you want to become a coach. Mm -hmm. Mm, yes so what do you want to be no like this is a <laughs> this is a great question that i always every day asking myself well it's like i don't i don't have the clear identity on myself this is something i talk in my small group as well there is one week your assignment is about breaking a myth in my in in our industry and i was questioning myself so what industry am i in like, am I in like health and wellness industry or I'm in mental health industry or just like, who am I? <laughs> this is something that every day I question myself. I maybe, maybe you sh the question you should be asking is who am I helping? Mm -hmm. Not who am I, but who am I helping? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to help the people who are traumatized who have been through like a bad childhood and helping them in empowering them to release that and just serving these people got it here's what i'm going to say <clears throat> you have a lot of work to do <laughs> because uh <laughs> but the, the way you do it is through putting out content right so for me mm. i the more content i put out the more confident i become in speaking what I feel is the truth, my truth. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so you, that's going to take some time for you to get comfortable with that, but you have to just keep mm -hmm. pushing yourself to do that. Right now, mm -hmm. I wouldn't get so carried, carried away on the word coach because it's just a word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So for me, yeah, like I, I really despise like this industry of high ticket course creators, even course creators or coaches or, you know, gurus or, you know, all of these things. I'm very, like, I, I don't like them, but I still call myself a coach. I still call myself a marketer. I, I don't like marketers, but I call myself a marketer. I, I, I don't, I hate coach, but I call myself a storytelling coach. Like, do you understand what I mean? It doesn't matter. Like Gary Vee, everybody calls him a motivational speaker. His main job is running a $300 million agency. That's where he spends 90% of his time, running a $300 million agency. But everybody calls him a motivational mm -hmm. speaker. So he calls himself a motivational speaker. Who cares? At the end of the day, if you are helping the people you want to help, who cares what they call you, right? That's kind of like my where I'm going right now, because I'm actually struggling with what you're saying right now. Do you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want people yeah. to think of me as like, oh, this is course, this membership. Like, I don't want people to think of me that way. So, so you know, when I, like yesterday, I went on Twitter and I, <laughs> I tweeted a bunch of shit. Like, what well, it made me feel good. But like the bunch of shit I tweeted is like, mm -hmm. here, let me see if I can find it. Okay, so I said, 
Um, damn, this is harsh. Okay, first. Comparing your 50,000 views on TikTok with a stadium of 50,000 people is ludicrous. There's a huge difference between a fan who pays $90 to watch you versus a stranger watching your video halfway because TikTok algorithm showed it to them. Not every view is the same. I have zero respect for people who say they're successful but is trying hard as fuck to sell bullshit high-ticket courses. If you're so fucking successful, why do you need to prey on poor people like us? Mm-hmm. Um, nobody gives a shit about your video except you. Can we all stop pretending like people actually watch TV or read the New York Times? Who the fuck are we fooling? Everyone who is promoting the book Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill was the original fake guru. Um, you can either focus on trying to please the algorithm or you can fuck the algorithm and just make the content you want to make. Now ask yourself, how many creators made it big because of the algorithm and not because they make good content? So I use Twitter to mm-hmm. just fucking say what I want to say, <laughs> right? But a lot of mm-hmm. times, like, yeah, I say what I want to say, but that doesn't mean that every time I do something like that, I, I mean, I try not to do that anymore. But whenever, like a lot of times I'll, I'll call somebody out directly. Like be like, okay, okay, mm-hmm. Murray Forleo, your first business is selling a course that teaches people how to make a course and sell it. That's a fucking Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you out. But I stopped doing that. I stopped mm-hmm. calling people out because I, that's not what I'm about. At the end of the day, I don't care about what they do, okay? What I want to be mm-hmm. is like, okay, I don't care how they do it. I don't, yes, I hate all of that. That shit bothers the shit out of me. But at the end of the day, I should focus on my lane, right? Instead of talking mm-hmm. shit about other people, right? So I want to mm-hmm. stop that. But it's still my truth, so I'm going to speak it. So I want people to know that. I want mm-hmm. people to know that, yeah, I, like, I'm authentic, blah, 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 but I'm not perfect. There are a lot of shit that I say I wish I hadn't said. And I'll take full mm-hmm. ownership of that. And I'll be the first one to say, yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't. But, and I'll be the first one to say, like, I, here's the thing. Like, the reason why I'm so fucking honest and authentic in everything and you have no idea how many times, like, sometimes I'll say something and my fucking, my mom will text me like, son, you can't say that. Like, like people, you know, I get that all the fucking time. Every single day, I get some, somebody who doesn't like what I said. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I guess, um, and I just want to be honest about that. Like, I, I'm going to say it. If I feel it. Mm-hmm. But the reason why, even though they attack me, I keep saying it over and over and over again is because mm-hmm. I actually want to become a better person. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. become the type of person that doesn't criticize and judge these fake gurus. Mm-hmm. And, and just the way I fix it is just by me doing it better. Not by putting them down, mm-hmm. but just being better than them. That, that's the type of person I want to be. <laughs> I'm very far from that right now. That's why I talk shit all the time. <laughs> but I almost feel like being authentic like that in public forces me to become a better person. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This is what most people do. 
here's the real them, everything that they want to say. Here's the public version of them. <laughs> so it's not aligned, right? Um, or mm. like, here's the, like, everybody thinks you're like this, this person, you're all like perfect, blah, blah, blah. but in reality, you're like here, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't align. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to do is I want everyone to think like I'm here. I don't want to present myself as this. I want to present myself mm-hmm. as, you know, like mm-hmm. the real me. But then yeah. there's still a gap. So now I need to improve myself to get there. Instead of mm-hmm. faking this, <laughs> I actually have to become this mm-hmm. and then just be completely authentic and open. And that's what people will see. Something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? So I use yeah. social media almost as an accountability tool to keep me accountable mm-hmm. on becoming a better person. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm never going to become a better person if all I'm doing is I'm, I pretend like I'm perfect to everyone else. So everybody thinks I'm perfect. Why the fuck am I going to actually try to become a better person? I'm just going to hide. I can, I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm a dick. I'm just going to hide it from everyone. I can do that. <laughs> or I can just show my own self. Okay, criticize me. Yeah, trash me. Do all you want. And, and I'm going to try mm-hmm. to actually make become a better person right mm-hmm. yeah i'm trying to like think of the right thing that i think is gonna help you but i, I don't think there is i think because even now when people say say something like that and you know it does bother mm-hmm. me <laughs> when i say something like uh, yeah <laughs> the other day i posted a video on youtube about like how us is the best country in the world and, and because like you know we, we we import all the best talent from the world and then we create shows like mm-hmm. you know simpsons and game of thrones and things like that because if you look at all of those shows if you look at the best products that come out if you go to apple and look at their engineer if you go to intel and look at their engineers 50 percent of those people that work there are foreign born that we've imported from mm-hmm. outside so we bring the best of the best to mm-hmm. here and then we create something awesome mm-hmm. like an iphone or, you know, the Titanic or some, mm-hmm. some movie, right? And then we export it back out to the world, right? That's why I said U.S. is the best mm-hmm. country in the world. Nobody else is innovating like we do here. And then comments that are coming in like, oh, you brainwash, you know? So, yeah, that does, mm-hmm. it does bother me, but it's not. I guess I, I, I've gotten to the point where, like, it, it triggers. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I don't want to be like that attacker. But you bring up a very good point. It's like how these can actually motivate me to be a better person as well. Like yeah. the gap, this is like very useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the only way you, you can actually do that is if you are being honest publicly. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, what you're dealing with is a pretty common problem. I think all of us are, you know, we're afraid of being judged. We're afraid of being hated, you know. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any questions you have or anything before we? No, or did, 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 I think Was this helpful? <laughs> yeah, it is. It brings up a lot of, like, questions for me as well to dive deeper into, like, the change from like the relationship I had with my friend as well and the part of like being comfortable I didn't expect the conversation to end with 
almost totally another topic mm-hmm. about like the fear on social media, but it is like everything is so relatable and how to dive deeper into the story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna, I'll tell you this, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a, it's a constant battle mm-hmm. that you're going to be working with, but I really, really like want to encourage everyone to speak their truth. Even though mm-hmm. it's kind of like this, right? You wake up in the morning, oh, like there's a huge obstacle. Like, oh, I'm so tired. This blanket is so warm and comfy and cozy. I don't want to get out. I don't want. It's like 5 a.m. It's dark outside. I don't want to go out and go downstairs and start running in the cold, right? Mm-hmm. That is, um, you know, what what do you call that? Uh, in the Stephen Press called it like resistance, right? That's the resistance, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of times, the thing that's m- most meaningful in our life, oh, oh, I really, really want to talk to that girl, but I'm so scared. Like, ah, what if she rejects me? That's resistance. Oh, I really want to ask this question, but uh, like, oh, I, I, I have to go to the gym, but I don't want to go. Like, whenever you have those resistance, that fear, that's a sign that you should go after mm-hmm. it, right? Because on the other side of that fear, on the other side of that resistance is the greatest thing in your life. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? So yeah. the same thing is happening to you right now. Every time you want to talk about this, as soon as you turn on the camera, well, oh, there's a resistance. I don't want to say it. But once you say it and you post it, like even when you post it, it's like, ah, okay, I delete, delete, rewrite, I'll rewrite, <laughs> uh, no, I'll delete, oh, I'm going to say it like this. Even then, mm-hmm. all of that is just resistance. But if you just... You just go towards that fear. Go towards the mm-hmm. center and face that fear straight on. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that is the best thing in your life. <laughs> it's the best moment in your life. <laughs> that's what yeah. That's what I ended on. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, son. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you know, feel free to come back any more more stories, more stories. I know you're very like Committed at Night Owl Nation. I know you're always storytelling and stuff like that. So more stories, bring it on. Yeah, definitely. I love storytelling. So, <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for coming on again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, so I'll see you guys next week. Uh, if you guys want to be a part of the podcast, it's only for Night Owl Nation members. So you have to join Night Owl Nation. And I'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Bye.